Welcome back to the Brighter Web Podcast, sharing insights on growing a small business using the latest technology and marketing best practices. As always, I'm Robert. Hey, and I'm Mickey. Good to be here. Yeah, excited to talk about this episode of the podcast, which maybe some people are interested about since personality tests are a thing that lots of us take either online, but not always in our business lives. So yeah, interested to dive into learning about how to apply these into marketing, into business. So what are some of the personality uh, assessments that are out there that are available for businesses to use with their employees? There's five of them that we came up with. I think there's plenty more than that, but the five we looked at, one was Myers-Briggs, which I think you're more familiar with than I am. Yeah, it's got uh, 16 different personality types. It's one of the more, the ones that's been around for a long time that a lot of people are familiar with. I'm an INFJ. It pulls together, I guess, four different binaries between different things. It's it's a little overly simplistic in some cases, but it's it's one that a lot of people are familiar with. Yep. The next one is Enneagram, which is even more simplistic, which is really what I love about it, because Enneagram, everyone is a number from one to nine. We both have to be fives, which are investigators slash observers. We tend to research things and dig in more. What I love about Enneagram, and I, I use it probably the most, is because it's so simple, it's easy for me to keep track of who's what. Like remembering INFJ and then what all those things mean can be super helpful if you dig into it. But just saying, oh, Robert's a five. Okay, cool. It gives you just a little insight into them, knowing that Allie's a one and that Brooke is a nine. You know, nine is a peacemaker as Brooke. Allie's a perfectionist at one. And just knowing those things offhand can help just a little bit with, with life. Yeah. That is certainly a pro and a con a little bit. Correct. We'll get sure. into that. But sometimes it's easy to be simple because that means you're able to remember it and recall it a little bit better. But sometimes it overly simplifies the complexity of a human being, <laughs> for sure. which is not a good thing. And that is certainly not the case. We definitely don't want to put people into boxes. Right. And I think Enneagram is good in some ways. It's It's got its downsides. But yep. I think a lot of the well-known Enneagram people who talk about it are quick to also point out the flaws and quick to say, hey, take this with a grain of salt. This is oh, yes. trying to understand people a little better, trying to get at people's motivations and why they act the way they do. But... <laughs> But not everything applies perfectly. Not every nine is going to be this way and not every five is going to act this way. Correct. People are different and are going to have different aspects of themselves and in a healthy or unhealthy way. So Enneagram is simple in some ways, but adds complexity to try to adapt to people's weird and always changing personalities. Right. I think that, that last line, the weird and always changing personalities, applies to all these. Even the more yes. complex ones like yes. Myers-Briggs still are not nearly enough to adequately describe a human, but every little bit every little bit of insight you can get can help. The next one that we've used a good bit here at Greenwell is the DISC, D-I-S-C, stands for Dominance, Influence, Steadiness, and Conscientiousness, and how you rank high or low in different areas. Robert and I both tend to be pretty high in the S and the C, but that's one that we've spent more time with the team and actually talking through, okay, what does that mean if Robert's like this? How should he interact with Ashley? And you know, it's been nice. We've had a coach lead us through that, how how we behave, but really how we should behave in concert with one another. Yes, that's that's a one that is a lot more popular with businesses. It it doesn't. It's a little bit less personality and more just engaging with people and mm-hmm. how you influence people or don't influence people. And I've heard, I've taken it in a few different places, but it can change. You can assert your dominance a little bit more or become more steady or conscientious. Yep. If you want to raise or lower those things, you have to be very intentional and it can be a slow and steady thing to get your kind of your professional attitude in that space. But it's it's definitely one that I've taken in a few different employees, a few different places that I've worked, including Green Melon. So gotcha. it's very popular in, in the business space. 
Yeah, the next one, the fourth one on the list here is Right Path, which I don't really know much about. Yeah, I've taken that at another uh, employer as well. Okay. It's, it's blended profiles. It's similar to Myers-Briggs and they have 16 personality types and they gauge on a couple of different metrics. I can't even remember off the top of my head because, and that's one of the, the downsides of Right Path. It is, it is a little bit more overly complex, but if you get that report, it, it does have a little bit more nuance about your personality type. And, and some people swear by it and will use that as part of their hiring process to say, oh, we're looking for this specific type of right path and you matched up in enough areas over here that we can we think we can you know guide you down another path to, gotcha. to get you to be the perfect employee for us. Hmm. Interesting. And then the last one is one we've used here at Green Mountain a little bit years past is StrengthsFinder, which is was interesting. It brought up some interesting strengths about one another. But for us, at least, it brought up a few that were really bizarre and made us trust a little bit less. Perhaps we took it wrong, not, not shooting at it necessarily, but it was interesting. Yeah, so. and that's another one as well that it's basically ranked. They have all the different strengths that are ranked and that you, you can be stronger in this and a little bit weaker in that. And it's, it's hard to exactly remember. I've taken it, I think, twice now, and I can never quite remember what those strengths are. And it a lot of times depends because it's... It changes based on how you answer those tests. So that's that's another whole can of worms. Even how you're honest and self-aware enough with yourself to answer those questions correctly to get the right result. Yep. And then remember what that result is and apply it to to your life. That's, that is one of the shortcomings certainly of personality tests. But I think if you're able to take enough of these and you get a little bit more self-awareness, maybe you're able to be honest with yourself and be honest with the people around you and hopefully have a better life, hopefully have a better outcome of this. But don't want to mm -hmm. don't want to overthink it and put yourself in too much of a box and think that you can't change right. based on this one test result that you got. Yep, for sure. So let's dig in a little bit more into how Green Melon we as a business use personality tests because it's going to vary for everybody, but every business has people involved, and so every business could theoretically benefit from understanding those people a little bit better. Yep, and that's what got me interested in this. Years ago, I talked to a friend that was a business coach. He never coached us specifically, but he was a leader at his company. And I always thought as a leader, like my job is to treat my employees nice, treat them fairly, and that's not wrong. You shouldn't do that. Yes. But he explained how he discovered through some of these tests that in the morning, when he'd go in and talk to Susie, he had like 20 seconds to say hi, and she was gonna start getting annoyed, and she wanted to get back to work. But when he went and talked to Rachel, he needed to plan on spending 10 minutes in there because she wanted to unpack her whole weekend and talk and both were the right approach. But if you tried to treat them equally and spend five minutes with each, that's not quite what they wanted. So understanding yeah. their personalities and, and treating people the way their personality needs to be treated can be helpful. Another example like using, again, I'll go back to Enneagram, but peacemakers, nines often are very quiet and so they won't speak up necessarily when they need to. So we've learned like, hey, if we're around those kinds of people, maybe we need to focus and make sure they have a chance to talk. Whereas sevens, we had a very loud seven hour thing before. They're going to be more ready to just go and get it done. And so they will speak up when they need to, and that's fine, let them talk, but making sure you see the smaller voices because their personality doesn't lead to them naturally speaking out more. Right, right, so it's, ab it's about, you still wanna treat people equally, but treating people equally and giving them the right chance to succeed means sometimes you treat them differently, right? right exactly. So you wanna put people, based on your understanding of who they are, what their motivations and behaviors are, putting them in different positions to succeed and be their best self both in work and in life. Yep, absolutely. So obviously we've mentioned before as we went through that list of personality tests, they, they are imperfect. There are definitely benefits uh, and detriments to, to both. So let's let's unpack that a little bit more. So what are what are some of those benefits specifically? Let's let's revisit that. What are the pros of actually using these within a business? Sure, so I see it as the quick shorthand to help understand how people think, again, 
use, going back to Enneagram, it's super shallow in the grand scheme of things, but it does help get that initial hit. It can be useful, like heck, in, in my house, my wife is a two, which is a helper slash giver. She can see needs in other people, but twos tend to expect that others can see that in them, and I don't see that naturally, but she's expecting that I do, and so it's learned to help me. Because she's a two, I try to notice what she needs more because she expects that I do, and the same can be true at the office. Just that quick shorthand to understand how they might behave is, is good. Uh, the fun to do as a team, it was interesting just going through the disc and having those conversations saying, oh, you're weird this way, I'm weird that way, whatever happens there. And just gives you that language around people and behaviors and what to expect from one another. Like you said, it's fun to do, especially because it gives you that common language. You're like, oh, wait, you too? Oh, I didn't realize that. Like you, right. you can sometimes find things in common. That common language can also be a detriment though. So For sure. getting into that because you're saying, hey, I'm a five and she's a two and a seven. Sometimes if you don't know that language, if, you, if you're not familiar with the Enneagram right. or the uh, Myers-Briggs, or any of those kind of things and somebody is speaking in that language and you're not an insider right. well, then that can very quickly cause isolation and cause confusion so what are some of the other i guess uh, drawbacks of using some of these personality tests or things we need to be careful and aware of yeah well i would say yeah be careful with some of the terminology and that's why with disc we sat down as a team and all discuss it so we know what some of those those yes. words meant we've done some of that with enneagram as well to talk through what those pieces mean but yeah it can be overly general generalized Shouldn't be used to make big decisions. We did some personality tests on hiring, but it didn't really affect whether or not we were going to hire someone. It just helped us realize how they'd fit on the team better. I and mean, really one that you mentioned earlier is that people can own them too much. Say, well, this is just how I am. I'm gonna be obnoxious because the personality test says I am. Like, no, you can still be your own person and you don't wanna claim it too tight. You don't wanna claim that personality thing too tight. Say, That's just how I have to be. Because you can break through the downsides of that personality type and. Do, do some things different than that. If you own it too much, it's problematic. Yeah, and, and the, in the same way, don't put that label too much on people. You say like, oh, you're so much of a seven. Why? That's such a poor <laughs> right. thing to say. Like, exactly. no, that's a weapon used against somebody. Ultimately, what does this mean for the marketing of your business? This can be very helpful for hiring or for understanding and communicating with your colleagues. But when it comes to marketing, how can you actually apply personality tests and assessments? Yeah, there's a few ways that can help. One is to make sure you have the right people on your team and just making sure you, you cover the bases needed there. Really, though, I think the part that matters for me as an owner is understanding what motivates people and what they, how, they, how they best work, how they worst work, that thing, which ties into communication, just understanding, again, how to communicate with people. I gave the example of my friend that knew for the one woman who's office, he had to be direct and just, hey, good morning, hope you're doing great. And the other one, he went sit down and spend time with how they like to be communicated with. And mm -hmm. that's very important to see. And then also you can take it another level and think about the personality of your audience personas and what a typical buyer would look like. And you can fit them into these things and understand more how to market to them. Yeah, and that one's unique because you don't want to play to a certain box. Hey, we're right. only going to market to fours on the Enneagram. <laughs> right. But at the same time, you can think about it because audience personas are supposed to be representative of your ideal audience. So you can say, hey, we ideally want to have somebody who's maybe a little bit more outgoing and is going to talk about the products and brands that they use and they're going to be very sociable. And so, okay, well, that means that's an Enneagram 7. So what other things are an Enneagram 7 thinking about? What are their their behaviors and motivations for why they act that way? It's a shorthand. You don't want to overly do it and, and unnecessarily segment or target or restrict your audience. But at the same time, it's just another lens to think through how you're targeting and communicating to people. Right, yeah, you don't wanna to get too tight, but we do get pretty tight on audience personas. We'll say the audience persona for this is a 38-year-old mother of two with mm -hmm. one child in soccer mm -hmm. that's been married for 10 years and lives in the Southeast. Like, 
that's a great persona, but certainly if it's a 39-year-old mother of one, that, that probably still fits. You don't have to get super precise. Right. So I think adding that Enneagram number or the disc, like, to what that ideal persona could look like is perfectly fine as long as you're soft enough to certainly, you know, work around it too. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It's, there. it's ultimately a tool that you can use, but hopefully it's something that doesn't limit what you're doing. It's, it's just another way of thinking about the people around you. Yep, well said. So hopefully this has been helpful for you and your business. And if you have been, thank you for listening to this episode of the Brighter Web Podcast, brought to you by Green Melon, a digital marketing agency. To help your business keep up with the latest digital marketing trends, check us out at greenmelon.com. And you can also find show notes and more episodes at abrighterweb.com.